Good evening, Vancouver, and welcome back to Canucks After Dark, uh, an early edition, a 7 p.m. start time. Uh, it's like we're professional hockey players, uh, <laughs> unlike our favorite hockey team. Uh, as always, joined by my co-host, uh, Canuck Clay. How are you doing today, Clay? Parker, I'm great. Thank you for asking. I know this is Canucks After Dark, but... Uh, we had a bit of excitement yesterday. I had my meetup. You were down in Seattle watching a certain favorite football team do their thing. Yeah, yeah. I think we both had very, very <laughs> action-packed days with you witnessing, what was it, like 11 goals? It was uh, pretty fun. I would, I mean, that's almost as many points as there were in the, the football game. I think it was only like 1916. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's like half. It's pretty good. Yeah. So you saw a good football game and uh, you saw the end of the other game, the the Green yeah. Bay Detroit. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a very good very good sports day for me. Uh, you know, I didn't good. didn't watch the Canucks, although I did actually. I, I watched the highlights uh, up in the stands during the commercials. Oh, good um, for you! But I watched I watched the Seahawks win uh, three quarters of very boring football, and then a quarter yeah. and a half of great football, uh, and then I watched the uh, Lions Packers game at a bar down there, and then I got home late, and here we are. Awesome! So Seahawks make the playoffs. Canucks have a four percent chance. Is that how it goes right now? Yeah, yeah. If you if you told me in <laughs> September that one of the Seahawks and the Canucks, one of them are going to be a playoff team, yeah. I would not have put any of my money in the Seattle corner. I no, and uh, and as you know, I literally put a lot of money in the Vancouver corner. <laughs> And yeah. uh, it's just one of those things, you know, I'm not complaining. I, I choose to make that expenditure and I, I enjoy going to the games, but honestly, what a disappointment, what a disappointment of a season. And uh, um, we're looking at your thumbnail. You'll never get me to say the T word, but you might get me to agree that that is indeed the best course of action. And didn't, didn't you have your, one of your friends reach out and say they love the thumbnail? Yeah. Yeah. One of my friends who knows nothing about hockey uh, just saw the thumbnail. I was like, wait, did the Canucks get a tank? Like, do they buy a tank? And I was like, no, no, that's not what that means. Um, but yeah, it Amazing. Was, uh, yeah, it's another pretty not great week for the Canucks, oh. right? We, we talk about winning the week. That was Boudreaux's thing when he showed up and, and the Canucks went out and they lost this week and they've lost the last two weeks now, right? They had the, the one yeah. over the Sharks and then two losses and then they had uh, the loss and then this week would be the loss over the Islanders, uh, beat the Avalanche and then lose to the Jets. And, and I mean, the story of this one uh, four two over the Avalanche. That's great, but six goals against uh, from New York, seven yeah. goals against from Winnipeg. Um, turns out that the defense that we all said wasn't very good isn't very good. Oh man, you give up six, give up two in a win, and then give up seven. And I get these are talented teams. They're all teams that are above the Canucks in the standings. But oh, you know, it's it interesting, Parker. I know we'll go chronologically, but at my meetup yesterday, I actually was talking to some people. And I said, this was actually the first stretch of games where I think we truly missed Demko. Martin had such a good start. Colin Delia has been a nice, feel-good story, but neither of those guys played really well yesterday. But we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, the poor defense is starting to show and sh starting to show in spades when the goaltending doesn't bail them out or the offense doesn't outscore their problems. Yeah, and, and that's the one thing that this team has sort of been able to hang their hat on is the ability to outscore some of their problems. Uh, can't stop to outscore six and seven goals though. Um, uh, these last few games put the Canucks at second in the league in goals against, uh, second in a bad way, obviously. Uh, I believe it's about 3.9 goals against per, uh, per game. Meanwhile, four is the league lead with the, with the Anaheim Ducks, like three, like four goals against a game is such a crazy high number. 
because yeah, you don't the, win. You don't win if you allow four goals. Like it's so rare. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the most common scores in hockey are three, two and four, two. Sure. Uh, two is less than four. And yeah, they're, they're allowing four uh, night in night out. And I, Parker, we, we've established, I have about 25 or 26 years on you, but I remember the, what they call the dead puck era in the nineties where, or early two thousands, where two, one was the way to win a game. Three, two was the way to win a game Two, you know, one, nothing. So can yeah. you imagine like, to, to double that now and to be giving up four game? It's, it's ludicrous actually, when you think about it, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's actually impressive. And this is like, <laughs> like I said, it's the, it is the highest scoring year that the NHL has seen in quite a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Canucks allow on average more goals per game than the top scoring team in the league scores per game. Buffalo Sabres, top scoring team in the league, 3.89 goals for per game. Uh, they also allow, you know, three and a half goals against the game. They are truly outscoring their problems, um, <laughs> considering they're like, yeah, ninth in goals against. Uh, but yeah, Anaheim Ducks um, are at 4.07 goals against per game. The Canucks 3.9. Uh, and uh, yeah, the, the penalty kill uh, sits at a nice 68%. Uh, league worst, again. You think they'll get over 70 by the time the season ends? They've had no indication that that will happen. It's a percentage. It doesn't like, it's not, it doesn't, it's not something that increases over the season. It did last year because it was so horrendous. But uh, yeah, we're, we're talking about two teams that had, that have now had two different management groups, two different coaches, two different, completely different coaching staffs and a lot of the same players and even some different players. And they still have the worst penalty kill in the league. Like it's, it is impressive that, that they can be so consistent. Yeah, no, it truly. And then, um, the power play is starting to slip a little bit. They were up number five, number six. What are they at now? Can you look it up number real quick? They nine must be at twenty-four point eight percent. So it's like okay. it's a good power play. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, it's it's a streaky power play, right? It's a power play that scores two or three goals in a game, and then none the next one. Right. So they'll win you. They'll win you a game, but then they won't save you um, in others. That's a great point. Yeah, they'll win you a game, and then even and it's not just not scoring, but obviously it means you're not scoring at times where you absolutely need to score, where you need that goal to change momentum or to negate another shorthanded goal. Nine shorthanded goals against Parker. Nine. Nine. Yeah, that's the, my hot take is that that's too many. <laughs> um, now, I don't have the number in front of me, unfortunately, but I can pull it up pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, let me just pull up the old power play, get stats. Uh, the Canucks have scored uh 33 power play goals mm -hmm. and they have mm -hmm. nine shorthanded goals against so their power play goal differential is uh 24 uh there's actually like a night a full-on stat here and it gives you your your net your power play net because okay. it's it's basically your your instead of the 33 goals that they have yeah. it takes the nine away so it's 24 um 24 power play goal differential on how many opportunities 133 yeah. and that gives them a net power play instead of 24.8, of 18.1%, which is wow. good for not ninth in the league, but 21st in the league. So, so suddenly this power play that is, you know, one of the better ones in the league, a top 10 power play, well, you, t you put those league-leading nine shorthanded goals against into the equation, and uh, yeah, suddenly, yeah, it's the net-wise, it's 21st in the league. So nine shorties drops you twelve spots drops you six. That's wow. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking at the list of short goals against. Like, 
three, two, three, three, two, 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 one, two, two, three, three, eight Tampa Bay, but they've also scored way more. Three, yeah. five, six, and then eventually you get down to nine. It's like most are two or three. There's a couple of fours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Until you get to the Canucks. Because and, and let's let's talk about what a shorthanded goal, it not only means that you couldn't stop the puck from staying in their zone, but then you give up not only a rush or a good scoring chance. And your goalie doesn't save it. So there's a lot of things that got to go go wrong. And of course, this by having one more man than the other team. So it, yeah, nine, not even halfway through the season. It's, it's absurd. It really is. And you just read out the rest of them. It looks, it sounds like you're ordering pizza actually, two, two, two. But yes, it's compared to the rest of the league. That's, yeah. Yeah. And they're backbreakers, right? Like if you're oh. in a, if you're in a tight game, you're down a goal, you're on a power play, you need to score and you allow it for an end <laughs> goal against. Yeah. Like you're not coming, you're, you're done, right? It's so demoralizing. Yeah. It takes you out of it. Um, you know, most likely you're not scoring on the power play because it's probably half gone at the very yeah. least. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it, it, it is a killer. Absolutely. And we, yeah. And we saw that yesterday when Winnipeg was up 5-4, Canucks get a power play. And instead of making it 5-5 with a f- whole period to go, now it's 6-4 and basically the game's in the bag. Great, great point. Backbreaker. Yeah. Backbreaker. Absolutely. All right. Do we want to do some some game reviews, some chronological? Sure. I'm reviews? trying to watch the Islanders Canucks highlights. I actually can't remember other than uh, Tyler Myers having a really bad game. But uh, do you remember anything from the six two loss? We we tried to discuss this before. I still can't tell if I watched this game or not. <laughs> like it is actually there's not like I'm thinking back to last Tuesday. I don't yeah. remember doing anything last Tuesday. And if the game was on, I would have watched it. Um, you must have watched it, Parker. You must have. Was there a Canada game on at the same time? Am I crazy? Oh. oh, maybe I was. Maybe that was it. I don't know. Either way, but like I look at this and I'm like, ah, this is kind of familiar. But I, I literally don't remember any of these things happening. So, I mean, couldn't have been that good, I guess. Barzell was good. Yeah, if you like him, Horvat got two, didn't he? Or at least uh, one. Yeah, he had two, and I, thought, I said that. I was like, I looked, and I was like, well, oh, yes, oh, yes. that doesn't help me at all because he scored two so many times, uh, so many times this year. Okay, I did just look. One was a deflection, which he's very, very good at, and one was a bumper play. So, and there, there's three two going in the third. So it's not like they were completely out of it. Yeah. No, Canada didn't play on the Tuesday. I genuinely have no idea. Okay, I'm the guy between the two of us. I'm the old guy, so. I'm the one whose memory is allowed to fade a little bit. This is actually a tad concerning to me, Parker. <laughs> it's the first one. This is the first time this has happened. Okay, I, fair, fair, I, fair. I've looked on my calendar. Uh, Tuesday, there's nothing on there. I don't know. Uh, I remember the other two games because I didn't watch them, though. Actually, do one thing. I'll stall for 30 seconds. Look up your tweets. from. T- that will tell you if you were watching oh, the game. That's ah, a good one. Ah. Okay, so as Parker's trying to figure out where the heck his Tuesday night went, this was a game where... The Canucks were at home. They scored a power play goal. They gave up a power play goal. They dominated on the on the faceoffs. But the one thing that was big is they only blocked three shots. And the, the narrative of this was, were the Canucks willing to pay the price? Because, again, three blocked shots. Islanders had 18. And that doesn't mean you automatically win. But it does kind of show, talk a bit about the resolve and the fortitude of your team. Have you figured it out, Parker? I watched the game. <laughs> I Because uh, I tweeted out. Um, oh, because I remember they started so hot, right? And I tweeted out, who is this team and what have they done with the Canucks? And that turned around real quick. Um, and then I also tweeted out, one day Bo will stop tipping every point shot in, right? Okay. Uh, and then Myers with the pizza, the prime Lucas yep. pizza, which I now remember. And then Ethan Bear had the bad play. Yes. And then I tweeted out, Ethan Bear's actually just Tyler Myers in disguise. 
um, which is very sad because I like Ethan Bear a lot. I just love the fact that we had to go to your Twitter to confirm or deny that you actually were in town and watching this game. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely wasn't. It wasn't my only focus. I'll tell you that. Yes, I do remember. Yeah, Tyler Myers, bad giveaways. And then Ethan Bear um, inexplicably takes the puck from the Canuck side of center and takes it all the way back to his own zone and then puts it off, not even off the boards, up the middle, boom, boom. And that was the backbreaker because that made it 4-2. Then I remember Sezika scores because he was just really fast. Barzell did a really good job of drawing everyone, remember, to his right. side, puts it across. Sezika scores and and then Pajot, I can't remember. the sh What was the shorthanded goal? Oh, another shorthanded goal. This no, is I think I, I, I think I stopped watching it 4-2. Okay, okay. My so, last game uh, was at 8.57, so I, might not have, I just might not have been there. So you might have heard me say the Canucks only blocked three shots. I know uh, it was interesting. The next day, Bruce Boudreau, in his media availability, said, well, I can't block the shots for him. I'm not the one on the ice. And then he kind of walked that back the next day, but he was frustrated, obviously, with his team's performance. Without looking, do you know how many, how many blocks they had the following game? I know it was big, like 20 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was 24, and the Avs wow. had six. So they clearly just saved them all up. <laughs> And Spencer Martin, uh, stop me if you heard. Oh, no. Actually, we haven't heard this before because he, he's played so well, but this has maybe been the start of his kind of rough spot. 23 yeah. saves and 28 shots. The book, Parker, is to shoot high on this guy to his glove hand. Unfortunately, yeah, that's, that's the book now. That's the, that's the problem, right? You have a new goalie who's, who's like decent and yep. he gets hot for a bit, but if he has an Achilles heel and it gets found. And, you know, video yeah. coaches know what they're doing. They will, uh, they will find those things and they will put the pressure on. So, they uh, do. yeah, everyone uh, just, I'm seeing, I'm seeing so many in the minus column. Uh, no, no one with a positive plus minus that game, um, no. which is kind of impressive. Only two players weren't a minus. Uh, that's Mikheyev and uh, Oliver Ekman Larson. It's not a name I would have guessed. No. Oh, by the way, uh, Dexter, great to see Dexter from Nanaimo. I was the one who held the sell the team message up behind IMAX and Dan during the Canucks crack. And wow, that's, that's, that's impressive. That's impressive. You got the sign in because I know they're pretty, they're pretty, uh, they're pretty, pretty tough on those. Yes. Welcome Dexter. And, uh, we usually get to questions later, but Jasper, just cause you answered, you asked very nicely and then we'll get back to our game recaps. Um, <laughs> oh, Jack! How many shorthand? How many of the shorthanded goals are because of J.T. Miller? Uh, unfortunately, the NHL stats page does not show that. Um, yes, I wish it did. Uh, natural stat trick would probably tell me, um, yeah. but that would take me a little bit to pull up. But we will say that yesterday in the Winnipeg game, it was not him. It was the second unit that was on. But we'll get to that in a second. Well, the second unit's only on because the first unit didn't score. So that's just yeah. as bad. <laughs> we'll, we'll okay. Say. Islanders game that I watched from home, a rare Tuesday night where I did not have bowling. You think you watched from home. Let's move on. Sounds good. All right. Um, we're going to Colorado. Yeah. Plan? Colorado. Uh, Canucks at home against the Avs. Seems like one of those easy losses. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but the Canucks came out again pretty, pretty hot in this one. Um, or at least, you know, second period for the most part. I didn't watch it, but you see shots 43 to 32. Um, you see Andre Kuzmenko scoring a couple. I did watch all the highlights. Yep. Um, but yeah, what were your, what were your big takeaways from this one? Yeah, this one, uh, you know, the Canucks played them pretty even in the first period. This game, um, I was at, and then the sec, um, but they, Ranton scored a power play goal. That's fine. It's Ranton and this is a good team. And then that was with one minute left in the first, we always talk about you, Parker, uh, 
goals within the last 90 seconds or goals within the first 90 seconds of periods are backbreakers. And guess what? Uh, Gerard scores on a, on a long shot. Um, and both of these goals, they weren't Delia's fault, actually. Delia kind of, I would do this too. If I knew that I wasn't going to see the puck, I would just stand still hope it would hit me. And then I would make a point of not moving to show everyone that I did not see the puck. That's what happened on both the, the avalanche goals. But then it was all Canucks from there on in. And they, it wasn't like it was a fluke win or a lucky win. Kuzmenko pops a couple, as you mentioned, Besser gets a, gets a goal. And then JT Miller near the end of the game. And this is the, I think when the first time they put Pedersen, Miller and Kuzmenko, what I like to call the 96 49 line. And they did really well in their, in their debut together. So, Full value, uh, full value, and it was Colin Delay in net, which was surprising. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I, I saw the thing saying that Delay had a fantastic night. Yeah, thirty yeah. of thirty-two, which uh, usually you can't go wrong with that. Uh, you see, yeah. Oliver Ekman Larson keep putting up points. Uh, apparently, <laughs> um, Tyler Myers a plus three. Like one of those games where all the people you need to do well did something right. You got Kuzmenko yeah. scoring two, Patterson gets two points, Besser gets a goal, JT Miller gets a goal. Right, everything's everything's going right. It's one of those games that this is this is the kind of games that the Canucks should be playing, right? Yes. Sure. They yep. gave up they gave up a couple goals early. You know they they were they were behind the eight ball from you know twenty two minutes in, um, but they have the firepower to work themselves out of those situations. And their goalie stood on their head, uh, not Thatcher Demko like we assumed it might be, um, but the goalie was able to stand <laughs> on their head enough to to keep them in it, and they're able to pull out a four two win. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that hasn't been the way the year no. has turned out. And it's so crazy the hustle stats that you're talking about parker 24 block shots which was impressive and you look at some of these numbers will lockwood had eight hits in nine and a half minutes pedersen had seven shots on goal and then the one i really like lazar two shots four hits five blocks that was really impressive and then on the d look at luke shen six hits and six blocks so uh, i i think they they felt challenged not only were they taking on the defending cup champs but they were um, also knowing that they're going to go on a road trip, a, a very tough road trip, and they were challenged by the coach, and they were full value for this win. Yeah, and it's one of those it's one of those wins that you look at as potentially being the start of something, right? Yeah, you know, you look back the classic examples that Canucks went over Carolina in 2011 or whatever it was, right? Like the the they're behind the eight ball, you know, they're they're a game, they're two games below 500 coming in. Uh, you need, they need to go on a run and need to show that they can go on a run because, you know, like, like coming in this game, they were like 7% to make the playoffs or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and they go out there and they show like, yeah, we can hang with the Colorado Avalanche. Sure. They're missing everybody, but they're still, you know, they're still the Colorado Avalanche. They're still a good team. And the Canucks came out and they, you know, they, they earned a win. And then two nights later, they did the exact or two, I guess a day and a half later, uh, they earned a loss. Yes. So, uh, yeah, we're feeling good. Canucks going on a five-game road trip. Tough one for sure, but they just knocked off the champs, only moving to one game below 500. And then, uh, yeah, I guess we got to talk about yesterday now. Yeah, um, the hat trick machines keep going against the Canucks. <laughs> uh, Kyle Connor, I feel like he's probably scored like 80 goals in however many games he's played against the Canucks because he seems to always do it. Oh, he's so good. Um, I mean, yeah, it's one of those things where you can look at the stats. You're like, oh, Canucks shot him 38 to 27. They're one for three on the power play. They didn't yeah. take a penalty. Yeah. They out-hit them. They out-blocked them. They yeah. had 10 less giveaways. Literally, the entire stat sheet looks great for the Vancouver Canucks until you yeah. look over a little more and you see that they lost 7-4. 
Yes. Uh, and I want to talk about what I, I saw because I was watching with three dozen friends at the meetup. But I want to acknowledge Scott's donation. Thank you, Scott. I've been a season ticket holder for the last eight years, and I'm seriously considering not renewing. Going to games just isn't fun anymore, especially with no plan rebuild in place. Wow. And Scott, I would dare say you are not alone. Parker, you've no. been a few games this year. Do you do you feel like the crowd is kind of apathetic right now? A little bit. Luckily, the yeah. lots of the games I've been to, I've been to uh, only a few at home, and yeah. they've been they've all been pretty good games, right? They've yeah. all been like down to the wire overtime, something like that. So it's always built up. Um, but I mean, I had a, a similar thought. You know, I was a quarter. I just had quarter seasons a few years ago, and it was like you know, I started thinking about it. And it's like, why, why, why commit myself to all these games when uh, they're just they're like cheaper if not the same price on the secondary market and i can be more yeah. selective and i can uh you know I, i'm not i don't have to commit to the not as good games or, or commit yeah. to the expensive ones i can just buy the cheap ones because i i don't care as much who they're against as much as you know i, I want to see the team win um yeah i, I totally see it right like mm -hmm. i i only like i always look day of for tickets but if they're not like like if they're not someone like really trying to get rid of them like i'm not gonna you know at this point I mean, I, I'm more than likely going to see a loss. They've been bad at home. Yeah. Um, I, I totally, you know, you can be comfortable at home and, uh, you know, you can turn off the game if they're losing. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's definitely. Washroom's always clean. Yeah, all those things. So yeah. the thing, uh, and for me, Scott, and Scott, thank you for the donation, Parker, and I appreciate it. Uh, the one thing for me is um, a different perspective. I've been a season ticket holder for over 12 years upstairs with my buddy, Mike. And then just this year, as many of you know, I, my son, Sean, and I split uh, four down in the lowers with, with Jason, uh, a local realtor. And what we've been lucky, actually, we haven't had to, we haven't been stuck with any tickets. We've been able to sell uh, most of them for fair prices, uh, not ripping anyone off, but but do, doing okay ourselves. So, uh, Parker, when we came in flat out in the summer, we thought that there was this team had a chance of making the playoffs, and we thought that this year was going to be the start of some sort of sustained momentum and run, and obviously uh, uh, the furthest from the truth right now, which is unfortunate. Yeah, and you kind of see, you kind of see why ownership especially would push the route that they've been taking, right? Yeah. The somewhat competitive you know every year this could be the year because it you know it gets people to it gets people to show up right it gets people to commit yep. to to season tickets you know yourself as an example yep um when if it doesn't work well you know they are they're, they're doing fine for the year right they already they already had their, their season tickets sign up they did great season ticket wise um and it will end up hurting them in the long run but mm -hmm. you can kind of see why you know the ownership doesn't want to have a few years of being terrible because yep. then, yeah, you're going to lose uh, a lot of people and you're going to lose the more casual fans who aren't focused on the, you know, the, you know, if, if the Canucks were to go full rebuild tomorrow and, and sell a bunch of people and be like, all right, hey, we, we got a bunch of young guys, we got a bunch of draft picks, like, you know, we're building around Patterson and Hughes and that's it. You could be like, hey, I see a vision and I'm going to stick. I'm going to like, I'm happy to be committed uh, to paying attention to what the team's doing. Um, even though you know they, you might not want to go to the games, whereas the average person you're like, oh, they're just bad now. I'm not gonna, you know, not gonna pay right. my money and, and go see them. So, it's uh, it's definitely a, a bit of a back and forth. 
And I am going to ask you something about that. I'm even going to write it down before I forget, uh, fans. Okay, but I want to just finish wrapping up last yesterday's game because it's easy. Winnipeg scored two, we scored two. Winnipeg scored two, we scored two. It seemed like a pattern until Winnipeg scored three, and we couldn't come back. And I'm not sure, Parker, you end up seeing the highlights. So many of the goals were bad defensive plays. Either a bad pinch to the goals because of that. You know, even the, even the Kyle Connor's second goal, it started a bad pinch OEL, so now you're two on one. But then Cal Connor just blew past Myers, and it became a breakaway, actually. <laughs> I'm watching it right now. Um, yeah, two on one casually. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, he just passed him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> what's the goalie supposed to do here? I know. Like, if one of the best, you know, even a prime shooter, uh, a guy yeah. who has, you know, he's got, he's got a 20 goal season now, like, he's a, he's a 40 goal scorer. Um, yeah, what are you supposed to do? That's the defensive job is to prevent right, things right. like that from happening. Um, and yep. uh, yeah, you know, you you put out Tyler Myers and Oliver Malarson. Uh, I think I saw an article. I don't remember who posted it today. It might have been on Canucks Army or something. Um, it was like the Vancouver Canucks, like twenty three million dollar or sixteen point two oh. million dollar problem or whatever it was. Thirty point two million. It was it was just about Myers and OEL uh, oh. or maybe the defense as a whole and and just how much of a disaster uh, it is. Yep, yep. And then uh, it actually Miller quietly had a three point game and. Uh, but he three points. One was on a power play, and then he was a minus one. So that means he was on the ice for at least three of the Winnipeg goals. But I'm not blaming this on Miller at all. I'm this one. I am chalking up to bad D and the goaltenders. I, I know Winnipeg is good. I know they got a lot of skill. They're big. They're fast. But uh, Parker uh, Martin saves eleven of fourteen, and Delia does worse, nine out of thirteen. So that's combined save percentage of seven something. It's not good. Yeah, it's seven goals on 38 shots, oh. uh, which is is way more than you should allow on 38 yeah. shots. Um, oh, no, we had the 38 shots. The, oh, they only sorry, had 27. 27, 27 shots. Like seven worse. That's more like 800. Yeah, uh, yeah seven goals on, on 27 shots. You know, that's seven on 28 would be one in every four, right? Yes. So seven on yeah. 27 is just under 750, um, which, uh, yeah, you know, you're, you have – Quinn Hughes playing 26 minutes and being a plus one. Good mm -hmm. on him. Ethan Bear was a plus one at 20 minutes. And then, yeah, everyone else, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson, 20 minutes with two of those being on the power play is a minus three. Oh. Um, yeah, it's uh, and Tyler Myers, 20 minutes minus three as well. Uh, it sounds to me like that Ekman Larson and Myers pairing uh, is uh, mm -hmm. continues to be a bit of a, a problem spot. Why do you think the Canucks have so much trouble against Winnipeg? I don't know. I don't know yeah. if it's just such a miserable place to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like they're just sad when they Sorry. get there. That that, uh, that that caught me off guard. That was pretty funny. That was pretty uh, funny. No, I, I genuinely don't know. It's you know, Winnipeg has been like a pretty average team since yeah. they've been in Winnipeg, like yeah. consistently. Um, and they've always had the Canucks number, and most of that is you know, Hellebuck has usually been fantastic against the Canucks, but I mean, you're, you're against big save Dave, right? It's not, it's not the same. Yep. It's not the same guy at all. No, not um, at all. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's one of those ones where, yeah, you got the backup. Uh, it's an, it's a noon game, which I don't think helps anybody. Um, I guess it's, you know, two o'clock there, but yeah, I really have no idea why they cannot beat Winnipeg. I know maybe it's just a bad matchup there. Winnipeg has got a nice, well, you just look at their top line of Connor, and um, Ehlers and Dubois in there. You have speed, you have skill, you have size, and Dubois. So I, I just think 
Parker, that it's just a bad matchup in a standpoint of Winnipeg's faster and bigger. So what really advantage can you exploit if you don't, you know, if you're not as big and you're not as fast and not as skilled? I don't know. It was tough. Yeah, it was a tough one. Only, that's kind of everything, isn't it? Yeah. That's, yeah, <laughs> There's no problem. Wonder. You're just worse. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, yeah, Jets have won 26 games now this year. They're at, what, 667, something like that. It's like they're... They're cruising along, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, the Canucks just keep getting in their own way. Yeah. Okay. So they would go one for t- one and two. I think you got that right. I think I said one, one and one. I was a little more optimistic, but yeah, they went one and two since last. Uh, yeah, I think you nailed it again for a second straight week. It. Well, I'll tell you, I didn't predict that it was going to be Colorado was the win. <laughs> I think the, I think I said the, they beat the Islanders. They'll lose to Colorado, Winnipeg, and yeah, I was I was half right. Yeah. Well, at least you're honest. Okay. What do you want to talk about? Oh no, I know. I wrote it down. What was I going to ask you? You talked. You started to talk about trading, buying out, whatever, building around Pedersen, Hughes, and let's throw Demko in there for the for the heck of it. Even though that that is another asset. Are fans patient, mature, smart enough, ready for a rebuild, a true rebuild, or or are they going to say, "Oh man, we're wasting the best use, uh, best years of Pedersen and Hughes." Don't do it. I mean, you're already doing that, right? Mm. Like that's 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 the argument is like, oh, you're wasting Pedersen Pedersen's you know best years, and yeah, that's true, right? Forwards, the, the age curve, you know, for defensemen is like peak around 27. For forwards, yeah. they peak at like 24, 25. Like it's it's mm-hmm. it's getting younger, um, and, and you know, Pedersen maybe is a bit of an exception, you know, with last year being as bad as it was, but. Um, I mean, he has shown that he is a true star that you can build around. I mean, he was the, there's a guy on this team with 30 goals who he was picked to be all, an all-star over. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he's genuinely been, uh, so, so good. Would you rather have a couple of worse, you know, a couple of worse years do what the Rangers did or the devils did, um, get some good assets and at least take a shot. Cause sure. Rebuilds don't work half the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the way it is. You're going to be, there are some times where it doesn't work and the team is bad for a very long time, but if you don't commit to anything and you stay in the middle and you pick, yeah, you pick 14th every year and you continue to get good players or you trade the picks away for (laughs) not good players. Um, yeah, like you're just, you just run out, you you, you just run out of good players, right? You're going to lose a a Bo Horvat uh, because you know, the cap gets tight. Um, and you have to, you know, you're never getting these guys on these good stars on cheap contracts, um, you know, like an Andre Kuzmenko, which they have now wasted a year of uh, him at just under a million dollars when the athletic has him at like a $7 million market value. It's, uh, is the market mature enough? I I think there's going to be a lot of people, myself included, who are like, oh, good. You're finally doing the thing you were supposed to do seven years ago. Um, (laughs) You know, it would be it would. But again, does that mean it's not the right thing anymore? Right. I, I just I, I think they just have so much trouble committing to to anything like that. And which is kind of fair. Most people don't survive rebuilds. Right. You know, you know, most management groups. But it's, uh, you know, I, I just don't want this team. I don't want to be here in uh, on January 9th, 2025. Like ah, the Canucks are two games above five hundred. Will they make the playoffs? They have a they have a twenty three percent chance, right? Yeah. Like, is that what we want forever? Right. No. Yeah. Absolutely not. And it's 
it's crazy to think that uh, the way this team was going, you could have, yeah, that's what Trevor Linden wanted to do. And that's why he found himself ousted by Benning and Aquilini. Is Linden four or five years ago said it was time to rebuild. The Steens were just retired. Um, you had the Horvat and Besser and those guys right at the start of their careers, including Petey and Hughes, about to enter into the team. That would be the time to do so. But then we know the stories about the Ericsons, the the Myers, the the Pearsons, all these guys that are okay players. They're decent, but they're not. They don't move the needle. And now this is, and of course, um, then the big trade, the Arizona, really sealed their fate when it came to rebuild. $12 million and a ninth pick that turned out to be Dylan Gunther versus uh, two guys that you're looking to try and buy out or move. It, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a real, it's a real problem. And the problem is, you know, where's the, where's the upward momentum? If, if they don't go all in on, on, you know, a rebuild, so to speak, um, yeah. Where, where are they after this year, right? Well, the prospects they have coming up. Okay, well, you have uh, LaCarrie Mackey, who was not good in the World Juniors. Um, mm-hmm. And sure, he's young, and, and there's always time for that to turn around. But, you know, early returns, not great, right? Um, I'm looking at the rest of the list here. Are you betting on, uh, the uh, like, Elias Patterson 2.0? Probably <laughs> not, right? I mean, do the Canucks have any... any the Canucks have one first-round pick that they don't have signed to a contract that's the carry Mackey mm-hmm. um everyone else you know you got Pog Colson and Hoaglander but you know they're 21 22 they're they're not going to be stars right? right I think we're pretty sure about that Danila Klimovich is on a heater right now um <laughs> yeah. but favorite like, player. yeah but like sure is he but again we're talking about a guy who's picked it like in the 40s or wherever he ended up getting picked um or was it late first either way I don't know yeah. Um, no, you're right. Early second. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But it's, you know, you, you just, if you, you're going to keep adding, you know, one 14th overall pick every year. Um, and then, you know, okay, you're going to pay Horvat a bunch of money to come back next year or Kuzmenko a bunch of money to come back next year. Uh, your, your roster doesn't get any better and we're doing the same thing. And then, okay, well, let's say the Canucks finish, you know, 20th in the league again next year. Well, we just keep yeah. doing the same thing over and over. You never yep. get better. You never get worse. And uh, that's, you know, it's, you're just stuck in the middle. You're so right. We got guys like Hoglander, Puckhosen, who've played a bit. But yeah, they could be solid middle six guys, but they're not stars. You have unproven guys like Aiden McDonough. We don't even know we're going to sign them. You have young guys like Karamak and Pedersen, as you said, that they may not be true impact players. Then you have all these guys like the Linus Carlsons, the, the, you know, um, um, Arshdeep Baines and, all these guys that are on the, that are kind of good atmosphere players, but you can't truly look at them and say, man, I can't wait till that guy makes the big, the big club. So we're, we're, yeah, when you look at our prospects and it is quite bare, relatively speaking, and that's scary. Yeah. All the names that you mentioned are guys that we shouldn't be excited about. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. But, but yeah. we are because like, if they turn out to be third line players, like, ah, sweet. <laughs> nice but, but like that's not that's not moving the needle right yeah, yeah. um you know oh they're gonna replace curtis lazar in two years mm-hmm. great you know like <laughs> it's it's yeah it's it's just there's this was the team that they they hitched their wagon to right they they couldn't yeah. fix the defense all that much but they did they had some turnaround right like half the defenders are different right ethan mm-hmm. bear travis Dermott, uh rally stillman right yeah, they yeah. are all new acquisitions 
uh, and one of them is having an impact positively, and that's Ethan yeah. Bear. Great. Yes. Not enough to move the needle. Uh, yep. You look up front, Curtis Lazar, great. Not enough to move the needle. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev, been good. Value for money has been absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Not enough, right? Because because yeah. the defense is so bad. Dakota Joshua, again, another good move. Not enough to move the needle. There's yeah. all these, like, I think I when I did my video on, like, the one year of having Alvin and Rutherford, a, and really the, the moral of the story was they have made so many totally fine moves that are so minor, and then their major move of giving JT Miller a ton of money is going to is likely going to be a big net negative that completely overshadows multiple times any good minor moves that they make. Well, and then the one that you really like, the Kuzmenko, that might not result in a long-term contract. Although I was going to ask you, I had that written down to talk about too. If we are resigned to the fact that Horvat's going to go, if um, can we also be confident that the Canucks will do everything they can to re-sign Andre Kuzmenko? Yeah, it's an interesting discussion. Um, I, I, you know, when it, when is the team good, right? Yeah. That's, that's a big part of the question. Are you going to get Are you going to get more value now for him if you were to let's say trade him at the trade deadline? Um, you know, he's basically free, and you can make him like free because at the trade deadline he's only going to have like four hundred thousand left to cap it. Hmm. If you want to retain that last two hundred thousand, I guess you could. And yeah, he has basically zero cap hit. Um, and could be a, a very awesome, uh, awesome rental piece that has some uh, the potential to to resign. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I, I I love Andre Kuzmenko. I would love him to be a, a part of the team for a long time. But you know, he is twenty six, right? We're talking about a guy who he's got like maybe a, maybe a great five year, maybe a great five years ahead of him, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what if the Canucks aren't aren't competing for another three, mm-hmm. right? Like, are you just going to hold on to this guy and then eventually he's not that good anymore and you don't get anything for him and and he's just hitting the tail end as the Canucks are hitting their peak? It's a, you know, you have to, if you're going to do this this full rebuild, which I don't know if they will, you have to choose, you know, who who is your core for the next, you know, for three years down the line when you're hopefully good, maybe four, and, and and get maximum value out of everyone else. Yeah, all good points. And we've talked about how Kuzmenko with PD has been such a really uh, really good find. And he's almost like what we hope Besser was going to be for Pedersen. So they play well together. Uh, Kuzmenko, you probably saw the his uh, interview recently. Very likable. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves talking to him. He's got an infectious smile, a crazy hair, good look. He's actually st- stepping out of a shell with Pod Colson down to Abbotsford. So there's so much to like about this player, but you are so right. That's why you could actually fetch a decent return from him, even though he's a rookie, basically, because yeah. of his of his cheap contract and his potential, to, like you said, to be an impact player for the next four or five years. So for those reasons why he's good and you might want to keep him because we need someone who can score on this team. Those are also the reasons why if you're truly committing to rebuild, you have to consider moving Andre Kuzmenko as well. Yeah. Now the thing is, again, the, the whole goal is having a good enough value on your salary cap to be a contender. Yeah. If you know, we've heard the number like five floated around for Andre Kuzmenko. I think you're getting good value for money there. And that's mm-hmm. a, that's one of those ones that I'd be totally happy with saying, hey, you know, let's this is a good piece that we can sign for five years at five million bucks a year. 
uh, and he will just be good enough over that time because you still do have to have players on the team. Um, that's one I'd be totally fine with. Yep. And again, the, be, him being a fan favorite really does add into that. Um, but of course, it also depends on what you could get for him. The thing is, if you sign Kuzmenko to a five by five, let's say, and and th- three years down the line, he's still really good. Or even next off season, he's really good. The year after, he's really good. You, you yep. can probably still get a bunch for him, right? If you if you really do need to get rid of him. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's just like like Kuzmenko's the he. It's it's a decision you have to make by the trade deadline. You got two months. Mm-hmm. Like Kuzmenko mm-hmm. and Horvat. Uh, any UFAs are ones you got to make a decision by. It's yeah. it's Horvat, it's Kuzmenko, it's Luke Shen. Those are yes. the only the only real ones. Uh, Luke Shen's probably not too expensive to bring back either. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also probably could trade him at the deadline for you know something, right? We yeah. saw Ben Sherratt maybe get the first overall pick this year, right? <laughs> like that's a lottery pick for Ben Sherratt. So yeah. if you can pull something like that, great. Um, but I could also see them seeing Luke Shen as a guy they want around some younger players um, as a, as a role piece as well. So I, again, but I, I, I don't, you don't want to lose him for nothing because he does have some value right now. Sure. Scott, we missed this earlier. Thank you for a second donation. Black skate versus Tampa. Apparently. Okay. I will not complain if that's the case, but thank you, Scott, for your generosity, by the way, a fan of the flying skate Parker. Oh yeah. It's, the, yeah, it's their too. best Jersey. Me too. Me too. Especially oh. if you have it, in, I, like when I when I bought mine, and it's just like every time, like every time I go to a game, it's like I, I'm not wearing any of the other ones. Like, yes. it's just so much nicer. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's their best. A lot of people in the chat talking about Bo Horvat, and if we're talking about a rebuild or a T word, um, then obviously he is first and foremost because he is the biggest UFA uh, on this team. He is the number one on many trade boards across the NHL, insiders, reporters, and the like. Uh, we, You and I have talked about the fact that maybe he's fine with leaving. We, there's all this angst about, oh my gosh, we might, we might lose our captain. He may want to go to somewhere where the, a, a team is closer to contending. So I've heard, Parker, that they're going to try one last one last ditch attempt to see if they can make things work. Apparently Stan Smeal, I saw footage of this at the at the Canucks open practice on Saturday. It's supposed to be Patrick Alvin, but apparently he was busy. So Smeal spoke to the disappointment of some. He said, I, I heard the clip where he says, we're gonna, we really wanna sign Bo, or said something like, we're gonna do everything we can to sign Bo to mixed, uh, to mostly some applause. Having said all that, do you see this going anywhere or is it simply, they're, they're making that a genuine last ditch effort, but Let's not get our hopes up. If you like Bo, uh, and remember, a lot of people, you can like Bo, and you can hope that he gets traded for for uh, a, a good haul. Both can be true. And I think actually that's where I'm settling into, quite frankly. Yeah, I think it's, you know, because everything we've seen is like, yeah, the Canucks are going to make one last thing, but Bo will be end up having to leave a good chunk of money on the table. Right. And I'm just thinking personally, Am I willing to leave a big chunk of money on a table to play for a team that can't win, right? Yep. Or do I want to take make more money and win more hockey games? Yep. I might be leaning in that direction. I, I think <laughs> it's one of those things that it's probably just better for everybody, right? It probably yeah. ends up working out better for the Canucks if they do trade them, right? They mm-hmm. get uh, some sort of haul of assets. They get the cap space. They could do something with that. You know, they could you could use that to sign Andre Kuzmenko. You could go sign another player in the offseason. You could do something with that money. Uh, yeah. It's better for Bo Horvat because now he gets traded to a contender 
you know, a month and a half before the playoffs and has a chance to to play meaningful playoff games for the first, like the second time in his career, really. Uh, I'm not including that that first Calgary series. Um, <laughs> and and yeah, and I think it's just overall, it's it's just an overall win for, for everybody if he does get traded. It's just it's it just seems like kind of a slam dunk move. Um, yeah. It's like the, it's the classic bad team has an expiring player that they can't afford to resign. Yeah, it's it's happened so often, and that's always a big trade. And you know, some it you know sometimes they win. Mm-hmm. What's your confidence level that Rutherford and Alvin will have the clear head that we seem to have that uh, for the betterment of this team, they will indeed be able. A uh, willing is one thing, able to move him for a decent return. They they have to. Like it, it's, mm-hmm. it's just seemingly, it would be such, it would just be absolute incompetence if they couldn't get there. Right. <laughs> like Rutherford is, is known for trading guys. That yeah. that was his thing in Pittsburgh. Right. Do we, is he somehow going to forget how to, how to make a trade? Sure. Some of his trades didn't go well, but yeah. you know, he's, he has a lot of trading experience. Um, they've, you know, Patrick, Alvey, they've made a bunch of trades this year, right? They've all been minor, but they're yeah. willing to shake things up. I think if they go back to Horvat and they say, here's our number and he mm-hmm. says no, they, then what are they going to, are they just going to sit there with them? They're, like <laughs> they're going to, they're going to be making phone calls. Apparently they have been like, yeah, get on the phone, you know, get a bunch of people competing, bidding for his services and, and take the best one. Uh, it, it really seems like it, it shouldn't be, you know, there's, it happens so many times every year that it would be just seemingly crazy if they didn't find a way out of it yeah yeah okay so we're on the same page trade horvat maybe even trade kuzmenko shen we're probably not going to get it we'll get something but we might not get as much as i think some people are kind of predicting because he's not simply not going to be as valuable on another team as he is here we think that this this market is mature intelligent emotionally stable enough enough to to handle a true rebuild which we haven't seen in years so we we said all of that parker and before we go to the people i want to know do you think it actually happens do you we think we're actually gonna get a true rebuild no <laughs> i i think i think they'll get halfway there right I which is the worst thing be, right yeah i think they'll trade yeah. horvat because yep. i think horvat will make them i think he will say no i am not signing this contract you yep. either either expire or you trade me to a contender at the deadline, right? Yes. And their hands are going to be tied into making the right move. Mm-hmm. Kuzmenko, again, it's one of those things where I think they're smart enough to know that they have to do something by the trade deadline, right? Yep. So I I but I don't think they're going to lean the trade out. Again, I think they're going to go to Andre Kuzmenko with a contract in hand and say this is our number, and and they'll keep negotiating up till the deadline. And if they can't get it done then they make the trade. But mm-hmm. it seems like their priority on everybody is to keep people, which is kind <laughs> of surprising being a new management group that didn't draft any of these guys. You know, they, they signed Kuzmenko. That's different. But they yeah. didn't draft Bo Horvat, right? They shouldn't have, theoretically, this big attachment to him. Although when a guy does score, you know, 30 goals in 45 games or whatever it's been, 40 games, um, maybe that makes you a little bit more attached. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I, It's just, it's weird to me that they their goal does seem to be to keep everything together yeah. Um, when we've seen, you know, it's been the same team for the last couple of years. Uh, and, you know, barring minor pieces, those are the only things that have changed. 
uh, and and we haven't seen any sign of of progress. And the signing of JT Miller basically proves your point perfectly yeah. in that they did not have to do that deal. He was in the exact same spot as Bo Horvat. His contract ends at the end of this season, not last season. So when they announced that deal the first weekend of September, we couldn't believe it. It, it hit everyone out of a left field. It came out of left field, I should say. And the amount, the term was staggering. The money was staggering. Imagine how much fun the season would be, Parker, despite all the losing. Imagine if we had two prime UFAs, uh, maybe Miller's value wouldn't be as high, but still two very, they'd be in the top 10 of any trade board. And then the Canucks would have so many options, package them, one guy here, one guy there, this guy sign, this guy don't sign, but they basically handcuffed themselves. They, they hitched their wagon, uh, whatever, 10 months earlier, eight, eight months earlier, trade deadline, than they needed to. And, th- and that's kind of maddening too. Yeah, the, the JT Miller thing was weird because it seemed like such a slam dunk move to make the trade like and and looking back it was um because you literally had a player at the top at the top his value will ever be that mm-hmm. goes for trading him that also goes for signing him <laughs> because if they're wa- if they waited until the end of this year and he's and he's having the same performance this year maybe that number does come down a bit sure the trade offers are probably worse but yeah. also so is the the signing offers so it's either you're either planning on trading him at the end of last season or signing him at the end of this season. And then yep. if you can't get into a deal, you make the trade. It just seemed like, again, cause this whole like trading Horvat thing feels like a slam dunk and, and feels like, you know, the obvious move every time we talk about it, but they've already missed the obvious move once they've, they've yes. made one pretty big blunder that yep. is already apparent. And the contract hasn't even kicked in yet that, yeah. Like, do we, you know they haven't shown us that they're going to make the right move yet so we're just kind of sitting here sweating parker put this in perspective i'm going to be 55 <laughs> i'm going to be 55 years old when jt miller's contract's done and i again yeah. i'm not the one playing but you, you know what i'm getting at yeah it's it, that's it, yeah it's i mean you think about how long a guy like horvat's been here it's like the same amount of time <laughs> right like and it feels like Horat's been here for so long, right? Um, shout out to uh, to Sayers, uh, Sayers Rage. Uh, yes, I gotta get it. Yeah, uh, thing trade Horvat uh, has the feel of the '98 Linden trade. That trade got the Canucks Bertuzzi. Uh, Bure trade got them Jovo. Uh, yeah, the Bure one. You know, you'd still rather a Bure, but yeah, it's um, again you. If you didn't have, if you don't have the option, though, you you make the move, right? Mm-hmm. Would you rather have Jovanovski or nobody? Would you rather have Bertuzzi or nobody? Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, it's you know, and whoever the the marquee player is in a return for a Bo Horvat, um, you know, at least you get something. Right? Yes, and, and yep. again, you do get that cap space because cap space in a, in a parity salary cap NHL league um, is it's it's a weapon. Kind of is king. Yep, absolutely. Thank you for the donation. Appreciate mm-hmm. that. Wow. Okay. We got 10 minutes to go. Should we, uh, anything else you want to bring up? Uh, no, let's do this. Let's predict our next week and then we'll get into, uh, people's comments. Does that work for you? Sure. We got what? Four games before next Monday. Wow. We've got uh, all four on the road. We've got Great. Canucks at Pittsburgh Canucks oh. at Tampa Canucks oh. at Panthers Canucks at hurricanes. That sounds like three really good teams and a team that was really good until this year. <laughs> the Panthers. Yes. Um, the Canucks aren't like, gonna, they're not going to go 0-4, are they? I, like literally 0-4. Like one and three. Like, a, like 
I'm like, what, what are you seeing? You're seeing the Pittsburgh Penguins. They're just a better yeah. team than the Canucks. You're seeing the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're a way better team than the Canucks. You're seeing a beatable team in Florida on the Saturday and then a scheduled loss on the Sunday with a 2 p.m. start on a back-to-back. Against a team that's putting up 60 shots a game. <laughs> yeah, 67 or whatever it was. Um, okay. Yeah, that's uh, like I, I don't see a world in which they win that Carolina game. Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay, maybe like 25% chance in each. And then the Panthers is probably a toss-up. Yeah, I'm going, yeah, one and three, whatever. I'm going one, two, and one, ever the optimist. <laughs> yeah, that's very optimistic. Yeah. Uh, they, they sneak out a point somewhere between Tampa, Pittsburgh, and Carolina. They beat Florida. Yeah, I'm going one, two, and one. Yeah, that uh, that sounds about right. Um, so right now where the Canucks stand, I mean, currently by uh, by points percentage, they are uh, seventh in, in picks, uh, in draft pick, I think. Wow. Um, wow. crazy how fast that happened, uh, going four and six in your last 10 Philadelphia got ahead of them. Uh, Ottawa jumped ahead of them as well. Um, I mean, we saw the, you know, the finale of the world juniors was this last week too. Right. Yep. Um, yep. and, and there are some, some real good players at the top of that board, right? You know, Bedard's mm-hmm. the obvious one, but Fantilli, uh, who was pretty good in that tournament, uh, Matvey Mishkov, uh, for Russia, who's like this small guy who's going to stay in Russia for the next two years is so intriguing because it's a name that could fall in as, as people are scared of, you know, the whole Russia factor him, you know, yeah. having a two year contract out there, but he looks like he's going to be this unreal player. There's so many good players at, at, at the top. And it's like, well, don't you want, you know, um, don't you want to pick high? Maybe you should trade some, some players like Bo Horvat, maybe sooner than later. Maybe don't wait till March. Maybe you want another pick around like the the twenty range. Maybe a guy like you know Sandin Pelika for Sweden was a name that we heard a million times during that tournament. Mm. Um, you know you can pick up a guy like that around there. Um, it's just it just seems so obvious. And you keep we keep talking about the Canucks being in this middle, this horrible middle spot, but they truly are. They are six points out, not of a wildcard spot out of 10th so in their in their conference so they're six point out of even being near a wildcard position but they're only five points out of being the in the bottom five of the league so when i as much as i hate the t-word as much as i want the canucks to win even i even i can see that they are closer to the bottom than they are to making the playoffs and if this if there's ever is a year to not rush Demko back, to trade Horvat, to trade Kuzmenko as much as I love him, to uh, not give your stars so many minutes. They're all adding up to the T word, which I can't say. This is the year to at least consider it. I won't even say this is the year to do it. This is the year to consider it as we've articulated for the past 45 minutes. Yeah, and the problem really is, you know, how tight they are to moving up in the standings, right? Like, because mm-hmm. they're at you know, a 474 points percentage right now. Um, Like a win, like a win in their next game would move them from like 26th to 23rd or something like that. Right. That's three draft spots from one win. That's what one win is worth right now. Guess what training a guy like Horvat does now instead of in March does probably loses you two or three more games. Mm. That probably moves you another spot up the draft board. Right. Like the, the earlier that you make, that you commit to these things. Um, and cause they're not, they're not making it right. Like you look right. at, you look at where they need to be. You mentioned they're six points out of being in the hunt. Yeah. They are, <laughs> they're eight points back of Edmonton who has a second wildcard spot. 
Sure, they have two games in hand. Yeah, but you, their next two games are like, what was it, Tampa Bay and and uh, Pittsburgh. They're probably yeah. not winning either of those games, right? At, yeah, so exactly. It, it's a, you know, they have a minus 19 goal differential. But if you make those moves early, you know, you like the easy ones, right? Like Horvat yeah. and and you know maybe Shen, mm-hmm. um, and, and you know you you suddenly get quite a bit worse. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's it just seems so obvious. Parker, my amazing bowling analogy that I came up with this this week as I was watching Jacob, uh, as you know, bowling in the Nationals, and he was first um, after day one. He was second after the first part of day two. He had to finish top four. Top four make it to Team Canada. There were guys chasing him, and he was well. Jacob was only sixty points clear of fifth. What I realized is there were guys in spots three, four, five, six, and seven all trying to battle each other to make up those 60 points. So it wasn't as simple as one guy out, you know, out bowling Jacob by 60 in the last few games. He, that guy also had to pass to three other guys. And I, I think for the exact same thing for the Canucks, it's one thing to say, yeah, they win their two in hand. They're only four behind Edmonton. Oh yeah, but they got a leapfrog Nashville, Colorado, and St. Louis in doing so. So I agree with you. It, it does, it's physically impossible, almost 4%, right? What is we talking about? 4% playoff I think odds? it's, Four percent to make the playoffs, and it's four percent to get first overall. Oh, okay. Now, going by stats, like technically, if the season finished and the Canucks were in seventh, they'd have six point five percent of getting first overall. Right. I right, think right. the Athletics thing likes the Canucks to to get ahead of like Philly and Ottawa. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's it, it, you know, would you? And you know, people will say like, ah, are you going to do all that tanking when you know maybe you get to fourth and it's it's only a ten percent chance you get Bedard. Yeah. You know, it's like if you miss, you still get fourth overall, right? It's still and a really good draft. Yes. yes, right. Yeah. Like we're we're talking about you know getting maybe a star instead of a good first line player at that yeah. point, which yeah. all makes the difference in the long run. Uh, and maybe you're adding another pick or two, yeah. right? Maybe you're trading Bo Horvat and getting like the twenty seventh overall pick. Yeah, um, maybe you can use that to trade up. Maybe you, you know, maybe it's a pick. Maybe you trade them to a team and they fall apart, and maybe it ends up being a lottery pick. Right. Who knows? Right. Maybe it's the fit. Maybe they end up being 17th and they win the lottery. Like, yeah. it, again, it makes it the odds are so low, but you're just buying yourself more, more chances. You're buying yourself, um, you know, better players by, by making the moves. Yes. By the way, uh, who wins this trade? Me and you for the rights for Connor Bedard. Uh, ooh, interesting. Cause then we don't get to cover Connor Bedard. Who are we getting traded to? Does that mean we have to be? Columbus fans, Columbus, Chicago, maybe. I I have a I have a no trade clause in that case. <laughs> I'm not going to either of those. Fair enough. And I think uh, they may have to throw in some some picks on one side, but we won't say which side. We'll let you guys figure that out. <laughs> All right, let's take a few questions. Uh, it's sure. almost eight, but I, I can uh, I can wait a little bit. You got a couple um, minutes? Okay. Yeah, I'm not I'm not in a huge rush to get out the door. Okay. Um. Dustin says that he tried the lottery simulator. Connects one on the third try. Unfortunately, there is only one try when they actually do it. Uh, let's see how many times it takes me. Two draws. Two draws. Took my fourth. Oh, okay. And we got and the Canucks got on their second. They got second overall. Okay. They didn't even get Bedard, but they got Fantilli. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, hey, the fifth time I did it, they got first overall. So sure, one in five. Let's go with it. Asian goalie. This is a, actually a very um, realistic take. We have the least control in the lottery. Um, you could, yeah, the T word. It, 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 
you, it doesn't guarantee anything. You could increase your chances a little bit. You got to weigh that against the pride of the players. But you know, we'll talk about that another time. I'm more interested to see what management does with the trade deadline, uh, with trades before the trade deadline. Absolutely, and that's what we tried to spend a few. Um, uh, actually, uh, the majority of today's show breaking down is what are Rutherford Alvin thinking, and what are some of the pieces that we have on this team that could be worth trading. Thank you, Asian goalie, for that comment. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't really matter when we're talking about odds of of moving up in the in the draft lottery, right? Yeah, yeah. Tang Tang doesn't really matter. Oh, you're going to go from six and a half percent to nine and a half percent. That's still a ninety one percent chance you don't get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. You know what? You also did in that time. You also moved up three spots in the draft, right? Ah. You, you moved up from seventh to fourth. Good That's point. Big. That's a lot of trade value, right? Let's say you move. Let's say you trade everyone now. You move up from seventh to fourth. And then you traded back down to seventh. You're probably adding another first round pick later down the line, right? Mm-hmm. To move up those three spots. So it is. It does have a lot of value. The, the earlier yeah. that you do do that, um, and then you're also you're also adding, you know, another first round pick in the trade, maybe two, and suddenly, you know, now you have a fourth overall and another late round or late first round pick, and maybe a prospect. Yeah. Uh, it, it definitely does add up. You know, I, I'm just thinking, uh, Jack makes a good point. Last year, we had a small chance to make the playoffs, didn't make it, and look at them now, exactly, you know, in a worse spot. Can you imagine, Parker, if this takes some, it's not like next-level genius thinking, but the wherewithal to say, okay, the 2023 draft is going to be so good, why don't we not re-sign JT Miller to a $56 million seven-year contract until we absolutely know what our team's looking like next year? Now that I think this out, it, it's, it drives me crazy. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, maybe instead of yep. trading JT Miller, which maybe it was our plan when we extended him, maybe, yeah, maybe we wait till the the better draft year to trade him. Yes. And then, yes. hey, then our first round pick is worth more. Um, yep. That we get. Yeah. 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 No, it, it really makes sense, which is why it hurts so much. Oh, Bedard is the only solution to this mathematical equation. We just may like let's let's say the Canucks get up to like third. Unlikely, yeah. Anaheim's not good enough. San Jose's not either. I think fifth is within reach. I think Arizona could go on a run. Um, mm-hmm. If the Canucks have like fifth overall, and Bedard says I'll only go to Vancouver, what does it take for the Canucks to move up to one? Oh, <laughs> take a lot, I'm sure. Can you? Okay, uh, that, great question. Let's end on this. Let's say we are fifth. We want to move up to one, the rights to, to draft Bedard. Can you see a deal that gets it done without? No, it's got to be one of Peter Hughes's in that deal. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't say without Pedersen because it, it's, yeah. it's, it would have to be Pedersen. Right. Um, which, which would hurt a lot um, and probably still be worth it. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's that good of a player. Sad, but true. Yeah. All right. Is that where we want to wrap up? Sure. On that fun note, um, folks, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you hit like, hit subscribe, do all that good stuff. If you uh, you got another, what your show's at 11? Yeah, so I get to go figure something to do, uh, to do so for three you hours. Got, you've all got three hours to kill before you go to Clay's live stream later. Uh, if you want to kill five minutes of that, reading my article on Canucks.com, that would be oh, nice. Uh, that that's right. Up. Very quickly, congratulations. Your article did go up. Quickly tell everyone who it's about, what it's about. Yeah, it was on Niels Oman's journey to the NHL, and then I had to rewrite it to be about his journey because he's no longer in the NHL. Um, but go give that a read. Uh, I, I don't know if they track how many people click on it, but it would be cool if a lot of people yeah. did. 
Um, so if you need some light reading, uh, go do that. Otherwise, it's a very good article, Parker. Congratulations. It's otherwise, good. Clay, I will let you give your parting words for this fine Monday night. All right. Well, good luck in your hockey game. I hope you are more like the Seahawks and less like the Canucks, at least for today. For Yeah, for us, we have four games to break down next Monday. So Parker and I will try and track which ones we watch and actually um, contribute uh, next week. The, this week was a little bit foggy. But overall, yeah, we'll we'll see. I, You know, we, we think we know where the team is. We're definitely going to know where this team is and which direction they need to go at this time next week. Parker says one and three. Two and two, like they probably will, and keep it in the middle. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, all right, folks. But yeah, if you missed any part, you can find our favorite podcast platform in a few minutes. Uh, you can rewind on YouTube here. Otherwise, have a good week, and we will talk to you all next Monday.